You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols. We are part of the We Are Libertarians Network, and we are delivering content for libertarians, conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, moderates, independents, socialists, communists. I don't care who the hell you are. It's a show for anyone who's looking to get the political and current news objectively covered. And number two, to be able to be educated, enlightened, and informed which is always our goal here at The Brian Nichols Show. And today we have a quite a, a fun podcast. Uh, I have the pleasure of bringing in two of my good friends uh, back from the good old college days, uh, my alma mater. Um, we got, first and foremost, Paul Riley. Paul is a native of Delaware, currently living in Medford, Massachusetts. Proud AmeriCorps alum, having served his country for two years Paul tries to build communities by bringing together people both in service and his current job in celebration through four annual parties he organizes and throws for his brother, James. You can find him and others interested in strengthening human connections at pinpoints.community. Paul, can you hear me? I'm here. There he Thanks, is. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> to be here. Glad to have you, Paul. And then also we're going to have my friend here, Derek LeBaron. Hails from upstate New York. Also a graduate of our, our both our alma maters, in, uh, including Paul as well, um, at Amara College. And he's uh, also from the University of Maine, where he holds a BA in biology uh, from Elmira and a master's degree in education. Uh, currently substitute teaching, God bless you, Derek, while finishing the certific- uh, certification process in New York. And here, <laughs> Derek, you're such a, <laughs> you're such, Derek is Derek, uh, enjoys long, long jogs when the it's not a frozen tundra outside because you are over uh, near good old Rochester, New York, which is is, is cold. Uh, musical theater, and I didn't know this about you, Derek, online and tabletop ga- uh, gaming. I, I, I read that the first time I said gambling, so I guess I knew about the uh, the online, but tabletop, is that like uh, like board games or, or what? Uh, it's a mixture of uh, board games and like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And so, yeah. Derek, you're going to get along so well with this community that we're on here for uh, the, the We Are Libertarians Network because we're, we're a fun group. If you guys haven't listened yet to the uh, the mother show, We Are Libertarians, with uh, Chris Spangle and Harry Price, Harry is a, uh, a rabid gamer, so you would uh, you definitely get along with with, uh, with Harry for sure and, and all the other peeps we have here. But uh, So guys, thank you again for, for joining on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Now... For, for those of you who, who are joining us today saying, why does Brian have two college friends on? Well, it's going to actually, it's it's a fun story. So first and foremost, uh, you know, Derek and, and Paul, uh, not only are they, they two my good friends from college, uh, but I would I would dare say, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, uh, we don't necessarily agree 100% politically. Is that fair? I, I, I'd say that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would think that that would be pretty fair. <laughs> so it's actually funny. Um, my last episode, uh, I, I'd mentioned uh, when I was talking about Derek's political. Uh, I don't want to say your, your growth politically, Derek, but we, we've we've had some some messages back and forth and some deep conversations philosophically about libertarians and and uh, you know, I guess w- what would you identify your political self to be, Derek? If you could give yourself kind of a framing of who you are when you think about you know the problems in the world and, and how we can fix them. Uh, if I had to give, uh, give myself some kind of alignment, I'd say probably 
I want everyone to have the freedoms they they deserve socially and economically. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to make sure that everyone gets that fair shot. And so I'm I'm this weird like I think just left of libertarian. Okay, I would that say sense? yeah. And you know what? I I think we're. I've said this to you many times. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you 100. percent But uh, if <laughs> if it, it, it might take some time, but but you know, what, Derek, I don't think you would uh you'd ruffle too many feathers with that kind of a, a, a proposition there for your political ideas. So good for you, buddy. Um, now, now, Paul, where would, I know you're, you're going to be more left and that's, that's why we have you on. Cause I want people who don't agree with us. So if you can give me an idea, where do you stand uh, politically, Paul? Yeah, no. So I think um, definitely liberal, uh, pretty liberal. I think I, you know, I listened to the, the episode. I, I don't think I would describe myself as socialist, like full, full blown, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Uh, not full bore, at least. I think, um, you know, I'm also a loudmouth, so I think a lot of the things I say on on social media, which I'm trying to stop because it's not helpful, um, is is reactionary. But I think when I'm, you know, in the sober moments of a reflection, I think that I'm someone who really believes in the possibility of all the different sectors working together. Um, that we have much more in common than than we might imagine. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons I appreciate talking to you, Brian, is even though we disagree, I think on some issues, like, fundamentally, but others, you know, we just disagree. I think, like, this, this conversation is going to show. Um, I, I feel like a back-and-forth respect, um, which is not something I always feel with, with some people, and, and also sometimes I don't put that out as well, but yeah, I think <laughs> sum up. Um, liberal, um, but, uh, you know, looking to, looking to be evolving i guess okay in hey. whatever way that could be <laughs> I, I, and you know what i love it because um that's that's the whole goal of this show and i so when i went back a little bit to recap my first episode that i had with this show um and i i, pr- I proposed this idea to to chris spangle who is the uh the, the dear leader if you will of our our we are libertarians network um i said chris you know i i don't want to do your your traditional libertarian show i want to do a show that's going to get outside of our, you know, our libertarian echo chambers and really make people not only in the libertarian circles have to question their own personal beliefs, uh, but to hear other people's way of thinking. Um, and I want to do it in a respect in a respectful dialogue. And that's why, you know, not only you, Paul, but Derek as well, that I brought you guys on because um, this actually will get to our conversation that we're going to start today. Um, Cause I do want to keep our time here yeah, around the hour mark or so. Um, but our, our conversation about uh, climate change. So to to preface this this entire conversation, so um, I am currently the associate editor over at the uh, Libertarian Republic, uh, which is uh, the uh, online libertarian publication website that was founded by a former uh, libertarian presidential candidate, Austin Peterson, who is now currently the, uh, the U.S. Senate candidate over in Missouri for the Republican Party running against uh, incumbent Claire McCaskill. So Austin had tweeted uh, something very snarky about the cold weather and that, uh, you know, oh, where's that global warming now? And I did, you know, a a snarky little gif comment afterwards. And then uh, Paul came in and Paul was like, oh, because the weather, it doesn't necessarily represent what the climate's like. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And I'm being a smart ass here. So let's, let's actually talk about this because I think if there's one area that libertarians and conservatives and Republicans as is this, you know, more quote unquote right wing um, side of the political spectrum can at the very least try to 
get out of what we consider to be our quote-unquote truths and try to hear the other side, I think it's valuable. But with that also being said, I think it'd be very good for those on the left, be they socialist, progressive, Democrat, and even some moderates, um, to hear maybe the the positions that are outside of the mainstream talking points and to at the very least understand what we're saying. So with that being said, this conversation is going to focus around the entire tenets of the arguments for um, anthropogenic climate change, which is uh, more or less man-made global warming. Now, I come from the camp that I am a a climate change, a, main, a man-made anthropogenic climate change skeptic. So to, to kind of frame this conversation to start off, so we're all kind of on the same page, when I say I'm a skeptic, so what does that mean? I am not one saying, well, the, the, the climate's not changing, and I'm not saying that the humans have, have no, mean, in, no means in, in influencing the climate at all. And actually, I, I concede um, you know, a lot of those points that, yes, I, I do believe the climate is changing. And to be very honest, I, I believe it's always changed. Um, number two, as humans are part of um, you know, being on planet Earth, I believe, yes, we do have a role in the the climate of the Earth, No, but I don't believe it's, it's to the point that it's catastrophic, so that's number two. Number three, I also, and this is where I, I really think we can maybe find some common ground going forward later in the conversation, but I'm of the, the camp that I don't believe that let's say let's 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 take my first two points that you know yes it's happening and number two that humans are causing it I don't believe that government alone can fix it so that's where we're gonna start the conversation there um, you know that that's where my position lies now I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with uh, Steven Crowder. He's a conservative pundit um, who, who claims he's libertarian. I don't really think he is. But he is doing this new segment called uh, I'm a blank, change my mind. So I'm going to start out saying, we'll start with Paul. Paul, I'm a climate change skeptic. Change my mind. Go. That's it. Go. Rock on. <laughs> just just give, me, give me your elevator pitch and we'll dig in deeper. I'm a climate change skeptic. Change my mind. Why should I change my mind? Well, I think um, ultimately, between you know, but between the two of us, neither of us have, have really studied climatology or science of, of that thing, right? So, a lot of what we're doing is reading the work that other people have done. Um, kind of where I, why I fall down on on believing it that you know the man has had an outside influence on the climate change is reading reports, reading summaries um, about it. And I think that it, it it just makes sense to me, right? Like that. Reports from uh, like scientists and, and the likes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, this morning, uh, trying to <laughs> try to bone up on some material for this, like reading a little bit on uh, NASA's page about, um, you know, the, the overwhelming scientific consensus being that man has had an influence on it, right? For me, that's enough. I think, you know, some of the other points you make, right, like the government alone can't fix it, right? Like that makes, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board too. I think what frustrates me, and this is not, I guess, what you're saying, so I'm arguing against the straw man a little bit here, but that 
you know, I think sometimes people are skeptical of it because of the ramifications of of it being true, right? So if okay. if, if um, you know, if if CO two product, you know, production is is the main cause of it, right? So fewer cars on the road or higher uh, standards of emission or you know increased reliance on public transportation, um, and then there's you know the joke about like well cows farts like having an effect on it right but it's also <laughs> in, a, in a in a real way like our um global agriculture um you know and the, and the pieces of that like mass um, farming mass producing that and the likes right yeah okay yeah. so i think you know so then we, maybe we have to eat less beef right so i think you know w- what i think this and so many issues like it um because there's so many points of view that are affected that could be negatively affected but um by it maybe not points of view but just you know interests or livelihoods um in a very real way could be negatively affected by it there's energy put forth to kind of combat it so um for me again as a liberal like yeah cars i don't think make sense in the long term right in in 50 years if we have the same kind of cars that we have now i i think that's uh a, a real slight against us, right? Like that's not that's not something to be proud of. Um, so I think it, you know that's kind of where I come down on um, a little bit. All right, no, I, and and that's that's fair. And I, I think you know later in the conversation we'll we'll kind of go into those those point by points. I, I do have some questions, but we'll get there. Um, Derek, piggybacking off of Paul, I mean you you are I mean, okay. The preface this again. Neither of the three of us are climate change scientists or climate scientists or climate physicists. I mean, with that being said, neither is Bill Nye the science guy, and he's propped up like he's, you know, the end-all, be-all when it comes to climate change discussions, but we'll cover that later. Um, but we're not pretending to be experts. We're, we're three, you know, good friends trying to work through an issue. So with that being said, Derek, I would dare say you probably have the most credibility as it comes to your education being a bio major. Um so, taking what you heard from Paul, what would you say, um, again, your elevator pitch, I'm a climate change skeptic, change my mind? Oh, um, yeah. So, basically, uh, I'm not really I'm not really specializing in, in climate science, like you said. I don't think any of us are, are experts or claim to be. I did have a nice little time at the University of Maine, though, and I was able to look at the Maine climate research data. And uh, a lot of it was interesting. There was actually a lot of the data showed a change in the like global temperature. So like not really the temperature for each specific location in the earth. Some places, you know, can get colder or warmer depending on what the year brings. But like overall, the temperature has increased slightly. And like you said uh, a little while ago, yeah, the earth is constantly shifting like the the globe has heated and cooled numerous times over the billion or yeah billions of years that it's been around. Uh, but I think the thing that kind of pings an alert in my brain that says that maybe we might have something to do with it is that yeah roughly around the time of the industrial revolution, like I said, uh, when we started you know really getting into let's use coal for energy because hey it's it's new and it's useful and we can do a lot of things we can never do with it. Uh, seemed to be a shift that like an in, an upward trend uh, of the temperature that was kind of anomalous uh, it showed 
a steeper increase than what we would expect. And I guess the other thing that really piqued my interest is that the when we say we like a lot of people say that we put carbon in the in the air and some people say like oh we put a lot more than we should a lot of, some people say like oh it's such a small amount that uh that we can't really be sure if it actually affects anything however recently they've noticed a difference in the atmosphere so one cool thing that I actually just learned today when I was uh, kind of trying to bone up for this is that when we burn coal or, or other forms of carbon and release carbon into the air, it's actually a different type of carbon or it has a different ratio of carbon isotopes in it. And I know I'm getting really, really like super, That's what we have. Uh, Keep going. This scientific. is scientific. Uh, yeah, there's like a, a cool ratio of carbon isotopes that if you're in the... Uh, if it's natural formed carbon, so just like carbon from, you know, uh, cow farts or, or just things that occur in nature, uh, it has, I can't remember which one it was, it was either carbon 13 or carbon 12 uh, was more prevalent. But then when uh, man-made carbon, the carbon that we just kind of shoot in the air when we burn uh, oil or coal, that has uh, the other type of carbon. Again, I can't remember if it was carbon 12 or carbon 13. But we've noticed that over time, the ratio in the air has kind of balanced out where it used to be more skewed towards the natural carbon. Uh, it's slowly becoming more equal in between the two. And yeah, so like those two things, and then reading up on just a bunch of research that I've seen and a lot of stuff in the news, uh, just kind of doing my own research and then reading about, about that has kind of put me in the idea that, you know, man-made climate uh, climate change is kind of the prevailing theme uh, or theory that I, I put most stock in. Okay. So, okay, so let me go, I just gotta make sure that we all are kind of on board with the carbon isotope thing, because no disrespect to you, Derek, that was really good, I'm glad you, you brought that up, because hell, I wouldn't have had any idea, but you're saying basically that there's, there's the CO2 that we, we all, we just think CO2, like we breathe out, that's CO2, it goes up into the atmosphere, either A is brought back and absorbed by plants, or it becomes this, this greenhouse gas that's going to warm the planet. There's that, but then there's also this other car carbon isotope from burning coal. That's bad. Why is that specifically bad versus just exhaling with carbon or b burning oil that's, that's not as bad? Um, neither of the, the two isotopes are necessarily bad. It's just that it's showing that it's kind of a way to track how much we actually put out into the air and how much of the air is made up of the isotope that we put out when we burn carbon. So like neither isotope of carbon is necessarily bad. It just kind of shows that we're increasing like everything we put in the air. A lot of it's not getting uh, reduced by natural means. So like plants and, and the oceans aren't absorbing the carbon that we're putting out as quickly or as efficiently as it is, the other carbon, uh, mostly because it's too focused on absorbing and neutralizing all the natural carbon that when we put up, uh, say we put up like 26 gigatons a year or something of, of carbon, uh, carbon dioxide, uh, it might be able to, to get 60% of that and just, you know, clean, clean the air, so to speak, but it's not really cleaning all of it. And so it's just kind of causing this, this balancing effect where, you can kind of see that we're putting forward more carbon into the air than the natural world can actually absorb fully. Okay. 
So, so this now this is where my skeptic cat goes on. All right. So I take what you just said and and Paul your points that you brought up, and I I I have to juggle that info with then doing my own research. So. From the Baltimore Sun, they did a nice article here, and it basically just addressed this this climate change, which, I mean, let's go back and, and reframe what climate change was. So originally, it was, back in the 70s, it was global cooling, and then from like the 80s or so, it was the global warming, um, kind of died off there. Then it picked up back in 2000s uh, with, with Al Gore, it was cl- uh, global warming, and then there was the global warming pause, and then it turned into climate change. So we've seen... Now, from 1996 until 2015, I mean, basically, global temperatures remain flat. Now, we we get that info from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the IPCC, and they're kind of considered to be, you know, the the crown jewel in terms of determining climate change. So, with that being said, you know, I, I am seeing the arguments that it's getting warmer from you guys and you're saying that it's a consensus that you know humans are the cause of it if that's the case then why do we have this almost 20 year period where you know we haven't really done too much different as a society and yet the temperatures are pretty much remaining flat not only that but then the other arguments that you know we're we're losing ice mass when in reality you know 90% of the ice mass is in Antarctica and it's shown no net decrease whatsoever in its its ice mass. So how can how can we find common ground in your both your assertions that it's warming, but then I'm looking at the data here from the IPCC saying it's been stagnant. So Paul, I'll jump all to you and then we'll go to Derek. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question, right? I think um, you know, just pulling up uh, I mean yeah, I you, you kind of stumped me there. No, I think um, you know I'm looking also at the NASA climate change website right now, and since 1880, its temperature's gone up 1.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Which again, I think the number not being that big, right? It sounds like it's not that big of an issue, but I think again to Derek's point, right? It's not just looking at the past 50 years, 60 years, but since before the use of fossil fuels, um, you know has you know since we really started using them um can i jump in really quick because i I do have a question on that so yeah this is a this is where i also get um i i get stumped because i i always get told we have to look at the temperatures as a whole that they've been increasing okay but we really we as a society have been able to take accurate means of measuring global temperature since you know what 250 years ago so how are we basing an entire climate change uh, narrative that it's it's humans, we're changing the temperature, we're changing the climate, and we're using this this solid, you know, verifiable data that we can you know go back and, and be sure it's accurate from like the mid 1800s until 2018, and we're basing our projections and our models based on that definitive data. When we all know, and as we've all kind of conceded the point that the the, the Earth's changed both in terms of its carbon uh, levels, in terms of its temperature, so how can we make a narrative that is man-made climate change or man-made global warming based on the the, the reality that 
you know, we've only been taking this information for the past 250 years, coupled with, you know, we both all can see, like I said, that the Earth's been changing in temperature. I'm sorry I cut you off, Paul, but that's that's one thing I've always had trouble wrapping my brain around, is that we're basing this on such a brief amount of data. Yeah, no, uh, appreciate you jumping in, and Brian, and Brian uh, obviously you're just in that opening uh, gambit, I think you've proved that you're much more knowledgeable about the, the specific facts of this than I am. Um, I think part of it is is not just, um, yeah, no, um, yeah, Brian, I, I think I want to tag you in here. I, I think it's not just... Um, Derek, feel, I mean, Derek, feel free yeah. to jump in too, because Derek's got the bio degree, but these are just the questions I have, because I... Let me tell you why I had these questions. Because I, when I, whenever I tell someone that I'm a skeptic and I say I question the narrative that global warming is man-made, all the scientists agree, and I say why. They say, well, because they do. I say why. I say, well, because the data says so. And I say where. They say the data. So I'm looking at the data and I'm seeing... It showing me, you know, we only have this time frame to look back on. Now, to to kind of couple on that, so we have Noah, right? And and Noah has gone ahead and basically said that there were 300 scientists who had gone out and they said, "Hey, lawmakers, you got to investigate Noah because Noah has been skewing data." Okay, that raises some some concerns with me. Then you know the the whole consensus of a scientist, uh, you know the ninety seven percent climate scientists agree. I mean, there's there's issues with that kind of an assertion. So I just I I don't I don't know. Derek, can you jump in and kind of give me your scientific background, right? You know, with regards to the the time frame that we're measuring temperature, um, but also the when we both all concede that. You know, temperatures and climate have changed throughout history. Yeah, so you make a you make a solid point that we've only been able to measure you know yearly temperature for the the globe for the past you know what was it like you said what was the exact it's number like two hundred fifty years like when we first really started measuring temperatures and even back in like the mid eighteen hundreds it wasn't necessarily a hundred percent accurate. I mean, we've seen how great technologies come over the past, you know, dare I say 10, 20, 50 years compared to the 1800s. But yeah. Yeah. So like you said, we've only been able to get like these detailed, uh, you know, year by year analysis of, of uh, the, the global climate for the last, you know, couple centuries. Uh, we're, we're trying to find, or we're, we're working with other ways, like there's ice core sampling that you can do to try and come up with the, uh, the atmospheric conditions for you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago, so we can base at least uh, what the climate or what the uh, if not climate what the uh, what the word I'm looking for the atmosphere was like, and based on you know what the coring samples look like, you can kind of estimate what the temperature might have been for a specific period of time. Uh, yet again, I'm not an expert, but like you make a fair point. We have a we have a data set that is constantly being added to, and the farther we get into the future, the more specific and and perfect our measurements get. And so it is it is a lot of information to comb through. So now this this points me to the main issue 
that I have with the man-made climate change narrative. Um, so I say, let, let's say I will concede, all right? I say, yes, you're right. Climate change is 100% caused by man. And I, I'm not saying we all agree on that, but I'm saying let's just go with that. Let's go with the extreme situation. So I say, yes, climate change is indeed, it's caused by man. What do we do? And that's where I have a really big problem because either A, I hear solutions that are only being promoted as uh, a means to be accomplished by the government, or B, it's only a means of other individuals infringing on the rights of other individuals across the world because they think they're doing the right thing. So, Paul, I'll jump back to you. So, like, let's, let's again say this is our our disaster scenario where we are like, yep, 100% man's causing climate change. How do we fix it? How do you help me rectify a, a solution that doesn't A, involve the government, or B, does not in, impede on someone else's individual rights? Um, well, that's a really good question, right? I think that's... Um, I guess I'm wondering why that those are the parameters that we are, are setting, right? When when we believe that mankind is having an outsized effect on climate, then, you know, what's happening in the United States and China, right, is also affecting what's happening in uh, South American countries and Africa and Europe, right? So it's all in, interconnected. So to, you know... You know, I was reading an article earlier today about a a town that's in um, Louisiana, um, right on the right on the Gulf Coast, um, and they're they're working now to relocate this this town because the, there's one four mile road that goes from the mainland to this to this uh, town, um, and it used to be something that people could walk out, you know, in the marsh, go fishing, you know, hang out. Um, and now the water is, is right up to the, the road, and there's sometimes where it's flooded out, they're not able to get in and out. So in the midst, you know, they're relocating these, these people, but also add in the element that these people are descended from Native Americans, right? And so in the past, the, their ancestors were forced um, out of anywhere that was good for agriculture, and now they're living here. And so they're, they're faced with the issue of... Um, well, we stay and, you know, in an untenable situation, you know, this is not going to be a place we can live because climate change is real. The the ocean is rising. Like we're not going to, like, this is not sustainable. Um, so, so to that point, so yeah. and I know this is go get, it goes against the, the framing I just, I presented to you, which I will admit that's not fair of me to do, but so let's just rewind though, to that point you made about the sea levels rising and that people are, you know, they're on the beach they're all of a sudden realizing that, oh, the beach is now receding. But let's get rid of the, the notion that I, I set up originally saying that climate change is, is definitely man-made. We can go back to, I mean, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. I mean, even let's go back to uh, the evolution of man when our, you know, great, 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 great ancestors crossed from... Uh, Asia, Eurasia, across the Bering Sea Bridge to Alaska. I mean, there. I mean, think about it. There was a physical land barrier that connected Euro or Asia to North America that we could walk across. That's long gone now. So, I guess, and I'll point this question to you, Derek, is 
if if we're gonna make a an argument saying, well, people who live on the, the shore, they're all of a sudden they're having rising sea levels. You know, can't we also say the same that well, if you had real estate on the the Bering um, the Bering Strait back in you know the the pre prehistoric times, you know, all of a sudden your home's gonna be gone too. I mean, isn't that kind of the same situation? Uh, I think that actually, one sec, I'm just gonna look and see the time because the Bering. Uh, sea bridge i want i want to figure out exactly how long that took to melt because if that took like a very 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 long time to melt like thousands of years then we could say that it's kind of different because that took you know thousands of years to melt while the water levels are rising at a more rapid clip nowadays but how do we know that like how how, how can we be certain that our seas are rising faster now than they were two million years ago or two billion years ago. Like that's where I get the issue. It's like we're basing we're basing our our entire narratives on our observable evidence that we have in our environment. And we're making assumptions on what happened in the past, but that's what they are. They're assumptions. Now mind you that they're educated assumptions, and I I will concede that, but I, this is where I have an, an ethical issue inside, is I say how can we try to be so arrogant as a human race to say that we can stop the inevitable from happening? You know what I mean? And that's a jump yeah. ball to anybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that some people may think that it's arrogant for us to think that we could stop uh, a natural cycle that's happening. But and, and I do concede the fact that, you know, science is made... Like science is basically taking the evidence that we have currently and using that to make a an educated guess, and you know the the hypothesis that stands the longest and can't be disproved eventually becomes the the consensus. Uh, but oh, I lost my train of thought. What was the question again? <laughs> no, I'm just saying how how can we as humans base our narrative on and basically it being that we can stop global warming or global climate change in in my opinion it's an it's an arrogant position to take because we've seen you know millions and billions of years of climate changing when we didn't have an impact i mean the dinosaurs had a completely different climate than we did and we're only making assumptions on why their climate changed the way it did and we're taking our our perspective and our lens from the 21st century and then trying to put that to i mean millions and millions of years ago to see if it makes it fit and i just i i don't think that that's it's a what's the word i don't want to say it's a safe it's just it doesn't seem reasonable for me that and, and again i'm not a science dude but i'm just trying to look at this logically it doesn't make sense to use our, you know, our 20, or I guess, what's the expression, 2020 vision, we're using our perspective and lens of, of what's happening now and our evidence we have now and trying to make an assumption from the past when we're just guessing about the evidence that existed in the past. Does that make sense? I, I think I can understand where your train of thought is. Uh, I think that, like, I might disagree that it's, uh, it's not, I think it's a, I think we might have a chance at, at changing our, our planet and climate a little bit more than, than you may than you may think. I mean, 
in not, what way? Maybe not right now, but like in what maybe, way though? In in what way would we change it? Like you mean to to slow the warming to to slow the the well, we seat we know that we know that the or at least the the scientific uh, theory behind why it's warming is partially due to the the carbon emissions that we give off and how it's you know there is more carbon in the air because of what we do than there used to be before, like, say, the Industrial Revolution. And so I think that, you know, maybe if we found a way to reduce the amount of carbon that we put into the air, or else find a way, maybe have some person who's vastly better at technology than than any of us uh, find a way to make something that helps plants, you know, get rid of carbon. Maybe that could that could reverse the uh, the effects because if we if we lower the carbon in the air, maybe it would be able to uh, prevent or reverse the the effects of it. So let me take that and I'll I'll toss this to Paul. So again, the whole goal of this show isn't to put anybody in the spot; it's to try to find common ground solutions. So Derek brings up a good point. You know, what if we were able to have someone? Elon Musk or, or, you know, you name the, the, the genius out there, maybe help Bill Gates has a computer program that can do something for us, but that can take the carbon and, and or take a, a, a plant or can help genetically engineer plants to help address these, these carbon issues. Now, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get rid of my own premise of saying that I don't believe it's, it's caused by man, but let's assume it is. I'm trying to find common ground. How is it better for us as a society to then have government funnel money to these programs instead of letting the free market work on its own to help solve these problems. And I'll, I'll kind of, I guess, back up that, that question with, you know, my personal positions and, and those most likely listening to this podcast as libertarians is that we don't believe in, in crony capitalism, which is government taking taxpayer money and then giving it out in the form of subsidies to you know these various corporations like Solyndra back in the Obama administration that was supposed to be you know, this great new startup for um, you know helping with our, our, our energy that's going to be clean is going to be a great new uh, alternative and it went bankrupt um, because it was propped up on this this fake revenue stream that was through the government which is then through us whereas in the marketplace, if you have a product that's going to do great things, people are going to invest in that product because they see a positive, um, I guess, a positive outcome not only for themselves but for you know going forward. It could be for someone else down the road. Um, it could be you know let's let's say for instance um, the internet. The internet was built primarily through um, the ability to help connect individuals. So. Yes, I, I, I can concede that, yes, some of the internet was paid through tax money, which I don't believe it should have been, but I believe it would have grown a lot faster had it just been the free marketplace. So I guess, Paul, where, where's your perspective in terms of how do we get a, a product or we get technology that Derek brought up, you know, let's, this magical, magic bullet of a plant that can absorb carbon? What's the best way we can try to rectify that and get that into the marketplace that's not going to hurt the taxpayer and it's not going to be at the force of the government? Uh, that's a really interesting question, right? I think when you, you know, you mentioned um, the internet, right? I, 
I, I think when you allow the free market to do its own thing entirely, right? If, if you have a powerful company like AT&T, Bell, right? Like back then relying on, um, and again, I'm a little out of my element of, of not having all the facts in front of me, but I think, right, if, if you have powerful companies like oil companies and, um, you know, that have had a like, strong infrastructure over the past 100, 150 years, um, and you introducing a, a novel new, um, let's, oxy, or not oxymoronic, that's uh, duplicative, when you're introducing this new technology, um, you're going to have failures. And I think that, um, right, in the same way that the government provides loans for students, right, not every student is going to go on and make millions of dollars if that's how you're defining success, and some might default on their loans and other things, but I... I I guess I'm just, you know, since we disagree so like on this issue, um, it's, you know, it's an interesting nut to crack. We're kind of like circling each other. Um, I, I, I think that it's, you know, it's not government alone. It's not the free market alone. It's, it's collaboration because otherwise like there's a vested interest in maintaining the status quo, right? There's this idea. Oh, absolutely. That if, I agree. Yeah. So like, of course there's going to be people who are, in, in nefarious ways sometimes they're just boldly you know from their own pulpit talking about how you know climate change isn't really man-made and that you know there's there's you know clean coal is definitely a thing that we can do um meanwhile like caterpillar is introducing like self-driving self-mining equipment because um when when the, uh, my understanding of the free market and maybe you can illuminate this for me but if, if the idea is that Capital in itself is is the goal, right? To ensure that um, people are able to have money, that you know, money perpetuates itself. Um, if that's the goal, then you're not gonna you're not gonna. There's a lot of barriers and obstacles that someone trying to introduce a new thing um, will have, especially when it's as um, pervasive as the energy system, right? The energy infrastructure it's it's elaborate, right? And there's a lot of issues with that. So I, it's not just like inventing a new app. <laughs> it's right. that, that revolutionizes how we communicate. It's um, it's it, it's much more. There's a lot more money at stake. Um, well, let I me, think. And I, yeah. let me jump in, Paul, because so I agree with you that um, when, with regards to you saying it, it's a, it's really hard for uh, these these companies to to compete. And so in the free market system, um, and this is for you as well, Derek, just kind of like to, to frame things in a better perspective of where I'm coming from. In a, in a truly free market system, the, the barriers to entry, the barriers for competition are lowered because in our current system, you look at all these companies. Let's even take some of the, uh, the oil companies. A lot of them are propped up artificially through um, either it's uh, targeted tax breaks or it's it's subsidies done by the government uh, to make them artificially successful to the point and, and, and to be honest to the detriment of the consumer um, because essentially these companies are becoming surrogate uh, government monopolies or government endorsed monopolies because number one they're not allowing competition to come into the marketplace and number two they're not allowing these these companies to fail now Failure in a free market system is actually a good thing because that means that 
A, the price that's being uh, presented for the product or the service is not equaling to that of the pay or the, the value that a consumer would then transfer over to the, the producer. So there's a disconnect, which means that it doesn't make economic sense for that, that uh, specific company to exist, which would then open the door for a competitor to come in and then either A, perform the same type of service at a lower, more cost-effective uh, price, or B, to be able to do something different or do it better. So let's take the current system with, uh, let's say, uh, oil, okay? So let's get rid of, let's all agree, right? Can we get, agree that oil should not get specific tax breaks or subsidies from the government? Yeah, I can agree with that. Paul, can we agree with that? I think I think for the purposes of this, um, yeah, I'd say for this for this scenario, yeah, okay. let's yeah, because so I mean, just because let's let's say we all agree that that oil industries, which should would contribute to the fossil fuels, is bad. So let's let's go with that premise. So if you make a an oil company work and and stand on its own with the infrastructure it has, it has to be able to react to the marketplace. Now, we're talking right now openly because we. At the very least, you guys are saying it's an issue. I, I disagree that it's an issue in climate change. But the general consensus, and I'm saying consensus in a very loose term, of the public at large, based on the narratives being pushed, is that climate change is bad. We need to do something to address it. So if that's the case, then as a startup company, I'm seeing a an opportunity that, okay, there are people who are looking for an alternative to the bad companies like the oil companies and we should be able to create a product that can offer the same amount of value that that company is offering the oil company at either a a lower price or b a value to that product that the individual would be more than willing to pay a higher price for because they they are for the the value that companies bring to the table of helping stop climate change so i'm saying wouldn't it make sense to get government out of the way and to stop propping up these companies that they shouldn't be able to stand on their own, be they companies that were supposed to help or are being a detriment to climate change? Wouldn't it be better to get government out of the way so we can actually have the free marketplace open up? It fosters competition. It brings in you know lower prices. It brings in new technologies, and it could actually help us without having the government be the one that's trying to dictate the winner and the loser. And that's a jump ball. Whoever wants to jump in for that. You know, Derek, I, I was uh, talking a lot, but uh, just I, I think, right? Like, if you assume that the free market is always going to allow for the greatest competition, yeah, that makes sense, right? But I think weren't we before we started talking, we were talking about um, dear old Philadelphia's Comcast, right? Like that owns that's got its fingers in everything. Um, and is that service the the best option that but, there is? Right, but, right I think, there, um, but that's I have to stop you, Paul, because the reason yeah. that Comcast exists as like the the monopoly in Philadelphia is because the government has granted Comcast and and I think Verizon as well the top uh, access to be able to plant their their pipes for their internet pipes. So I mean, even there, like we're seeing government get in the way of a stopping alternatives. So I I, I myself my my day job. I work in telecom, so my job is to go out and try to find 
the best um, the best providers, the best ISPs for specific companies. And when it gets down to the end of the day, I mean, all the companies can be different. We can have you know 15 different companies, but when you get down to who's actually going into the ground with their service, it's almost always going to be running off either Comcast or Verizon, like almost always. So that alone is just as as a result of government being in the way. So I mean, I'll shoot you back to you, Paul, but like. That's one thing that I think people don't realize is that we think these big companies are monopolies on their own when the reality is they're monopolies because the government has created a system that it it makes it so they are monopolies and they stay monopolies. Yeah, I well, um, I think with... Uh, again, like, if the idea is that you know, I, I I don't think it's a great idea to put all of your stock in the free market. Just like it doesn't make any sense to put all your stock in the government, always doing the right thing. I think ultimately, like right, going back to this whole issue of um, questioning climate change to begin with, I, I I wonder what the the purpose in that is. Right, I think. If it's questioning it so that you can stop it at the head, right, instead of having to have this part of the conversation, which is like, what do we do next, then that's funky to me. I think that, you know. But, like, what's the goal then? So, like, and and Derek, feel free to jump in, but, like, what's the goal of the argument from, let's say, and I'm I'm not going to call them alarmists. I'm going to call people who believe in climate change. Like, what's the goal of saying the climate's changing, we need to do something if we're not going to do something? So, like, what can we do? And I know, Derek, you suggested, like, the, the little plant that can maybe, like, absorb the carbon. But, like, how how can we address that with a means that wouldn't, A, you know, make the government be the one that can fix it, or B, that wouldn't hurt somebody else? I guess I'll jump in. Uh, I feel like it would need, in order for the, in order for, like, say, a new startup or, or a new product to... To flourish, it would have to be given kind of a a chance. And like you've said, the oil, like a lot of oil companies, have been kind of held up over time by the government uh, to the point right now where like those are the those are like the the big name things yeah, you think they're of. The monopolies. Like you, they're they're quote yeah. unquote too big to fail. Yeah, and so like if you if you're like I, I kind of like to think of it. Uh, this might be a little bit of a of a stretch for. Uh, an argument's sake, but say you have, you you want to eat cereal, and you have spoons, and you've always had spoons, and maybe spoons, maybe the spoons you have aren't necessarily the best for eating cereal, but hey, you've got these spoons, and these spoons have been working for so many years. Uh, are you going to try something else now that it's like I'm trying to make the comparison that like, I see you mean, know. Yeah. These trusty spoons you've had are kind of like the the oil companies or the the natural gas or whatever you've had powering your house and and your cars. But you're saying like, in this case mean, the spoons are actually causing you like cancer because you're eating the spoons and they have like lead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we can go that like that. It's like you're trusting like we've trusted these these companies for so long and we've kind of been using them for so long that a majority of the people have become reliant on that. Now, if we, you know, just kind of pull the pull the rug out, so to speak, and, you know, allow them to fail and say, and say the government shouldn't touch any of it and that the free market should go. Uh, 
it's going to take a lot. Like, they've been propped up for so long that they're kind of these really big things that are constantly used. And so it would take it would take something, I feel, Herculean in its novelty and use to maybe pull a lot of people away from that because they're used to it. Like, it's their... Uh, they're used to using, you know, gasoline to, to power their cars. They're used to using uh, oil and natural gas to heat their houses at night. Uh, if you tell them, hey, we've got this new thing that could work just the same, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm used to this, and this is working fine for me now. Why would I change to something else? But, like, what or, if they could save money? Like, what if it was solar panels on their house, and the solar panel was, was created in a way that was, was cost-effective, so they, the company was able to offer a cheap solar panel... I'm a salesman. I go up to the house and say, I can give you a, a product right now that's going to make sure that you never have to spend money on oil and gas again. It will heat your house all year around, and it will give you a generator to make sure that the days that it's not working, that it will still hold the energy that you need to have, and it only costs you know the amount of money you'd spend on gas for a year. Why wouldn't somebody do that? Like, and I understand you're saying the spoon analogy, but like, if if I'm an average consumer and I hear that, that I would never have to spend for oil or gas again? Like, that's huge. Yeah, that'd be that'd be the, the dream. If you could have someone come up with uh, a technology that would be able to fill your house for the foreseeable future or forever without uh, the need to purchase more fuel, like, that'd be, that'd be great. It would just come down to, I think, then you'd have to worry about the business practice or the business model of... How would the company that designed this uh, miracle, you know, solar panel, how would they make enough money to continue to improve if they could only sell it once? Where oil companies can, you know, you constantly have to buy more oil, so you have to pay for more. Like, I guess they have more money to do research on than, say, if I sold you a, a solar panel system uh, and then sold your neighbor a solar panel system, I could do research to try and improve it or, or move forward with the money there, but I wouldn't really have a, a, an income flow. It'd be more kind of like uh, I sold all the solar panels on the street. Or or uh, how about this? How about this? Let's say your house, because you have this generator, right? You're, you're, you're absorbing all the solar energy at your house with this generator. And I'm the solar company. I say, hey, how about this too? Whatever energy that you don't use, I'll buy that back. And then I'll give you a great a great rate for it. And then the solar company can th then go ahead and sell that that power like an electric company would to a massive company that maybe didn't want to uh, you know invest in the solar panels. And now they can sell that energy at a lower rate than the gas companies, and or at a competitive rate than the gas companies. So they're hurting the bad gas companies. And then we can have this clean energy being sold through a this the same company so they're making money and they're helping the environment i mean can we agree that'd be a good solution yeah definitely like that would be that would be a good solution it's just kind of uh i'm i feel like i'm just skeptical about how quickly or how efficiently that would get done without some kind of support at least in the early stages of of, of research because I know a lot of people would probably want to donate to something like that uh, to get like the research going so we could have that kind of sustainable energy that you wouldn't have to put into and that you could, like you said, sell you know, excess energy to back to the company so that they could raise funds through there. But I guess it's just kind of like the startup, the initial, the initial startup without 
it's it's hard for me to I see mean, like without that like, goes into a whole funding. that goes into a whole another another uh, thing that I have in terms of like you know get the government out of the marketplace in general so people have more money to invest because I mean I'm just telling you this flat out I have met in my political careers I've met investors that have quite literally millions and millions of dollars and there is nothing more that they're looking for than another opportunity to invest so they can make more millions of dollars so if they can see an opportunity like you know this this pretend solar company that we just came up with just now um and that it was gonna make the money you're damn right that they would invest in it because they they would take a short-term hit to to then you know, know that in the long term they're gonna get so much money um but so with that being said sorry 56 minutes i wanted to to kind of wind down here towards the hour mark so Paul, we're going to bring you back in, and I wanted to see if we can come to a roundtable consensus. That We're talking about consensuses here. We're going to do our own consensus. So based on our conversation today, I think we've been able to kind of dig through where we have agreements and where we have disagreements. Would it be fair to say? Now, I'm not going to change my mind entirely on the, the climate changing aspect of things, whether it's man-made or not, um, but I think I can get on board 100% with us having a system that is in place and, and I would prefer through the free market that would help people be proactive on their own to help get rid of any potential threat from mankind. So I'm putting my, my, my chips on the table here. I'm saying we do a system where government is it. it is there only to protect the companies to be competitive? So there's no, you know, there's no bribing and stuff using government, and that you know, hopefully these companies can be the alternative that they they have to be they have to do what they're gonna say they're gonna do because they have investors putting millions of dollars into them, and if they don't, then they fail, and then somebody else is gonna come in and take their, their take their money, um, and that hopefully would help with the quote unquote man made climate change. Is that a fair solution, or, or you know, are we getting closer? What What are your thoughts, Paul? Yeah, it's a great, uh, great question. I think, right, the, the example you just brought up about about this this solar company that be able to create uh, panels that were so effective that, um, you know, the, there's there's not much ongoing cost um, for for the person using it, right? Or it's, it's much cheaper than gas and oil and all the other. Um, ways they need to heat their homes, right? I, to invent such a technology, to have like the distribution network and all that, that's going to take this, this incredible initial investment. And I think that now I am not someone who probably will ever have the money to actually invest any uh, in, in anything like that, I, I think. But I can assume that most people are not going to put up the kind of money it takes to do that unless there's, you know... But you a, already are. What I mean, mean, dude, well, I mean, and, and libertarians, we always say taxation is theft, right? And the reason we say that is because every year you have money taken out of your pocket because it, it is, and it's, it's then used by the government for whatever it wants to be used for. So with that being said, let's say, now this is my dream world, right? Let's yeah. say we get rid of taxation, okay? And you have, let's say what, three, five, six thousand $6,000 in taxes, that you originally were paying to the government, now it's yours. And you can either A, just voluntarily give that money to the government because you think the government's going to do the right thing with it. Now remember, Trump's president, right? Is he going to do the right thing with your money? Who knows? Or B, you see the startup we're talking about and you're like, I'm going to give 100% of what would have been my tax dollars to that startup because I think that startup's going to do a better job than the government. 
Is that fair? No, because I think here's the thing, right? Like, <laughs> um, I so I have six thousand dollars, right? Now I, um, I'm, you know, they, they, I don't have to pay my taxes in three months, right? I'm good to go, right? What am I spending that six thousand dollars on? Paying down the debt I already have, um, putting it away for future purchases, right? I'm probably not going to take my meager six thousand dollars and try to go find an investment I can put it in. Um, because one, like, again, Brian, like I, I, I am not, I'm not smart with money <laughs> in general, but also I think that, um, I wouldn't know where to start. Right. And I think that's where this stuff kind of breaks down is that you're relying on, um, the, the millions of people in this country, then being able to, you know, suddenly be, you know, much smarter with their money than, uh, you mean personal responsibility? Now. Well, well, yeah, but also like, I mean, I, <laughs> that's I have, what we argue I have, for. <laughs> well, I, I have debts, right? I also like, no, but here's the thing. Personal responsibility. That's the first word is personal. Right? I'm going to focus on me. I, I'm not necessarily going to go and make sure that those people in, in, uh, in that Louisiana town are going to be able to survive in 20 years, right? Like I might not know about it. I might not have the time to read a newspaper because I've got other things going on, Um I, I think why the thing I view with government, like government is there to do what individuals can't um, on their own. I don't, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't think that government needs to be everywhere and doing everything. But, you know, with, with an issue like climate change is a life or death thing for some people that this is what we're going to see is um, and an unfair uh, effect on people who don't have the means and an additional, you know, their taxes not being taken out of their paycheck is not going to mean that they're going to suddenly in, you know, in Miami, like a, in little Cuba, right? Like they're still probably going to get priced out of their apartments that are on the top of the hill because they don't have the means to buy that house or the, you know, the, it might not be for sale. So I think that, you know, the, the point you make about, um, you know, taxation is theft. It, it all, it, it well, no, and, and, and how people are, are going to use that money. Um, so, so what? Then we, then we have a, a, a GoFundMe page for every single issue in the world? Why I, not? I, I, don't... I mean, how, how, is, how is... I mean, we, well, first and foremost, can we all agree that government is not nearly as efficient as it could be? Well, no, here's, here's, the, here's the point I'm going to make, is that I think the issue is not with the system, right? The free market itself is not... Uh, flaws and benefits, government's flaws and benefits, is the people that are in this position. When you say Donald Trump, yeah, I don't trust Donald Trump to do anything <laughs> uh, uh, except embarrass himself uh, on a daily basis, right? But, like, there are thousands of people in government who are caring, thoughtful people who make mistakes just like there are plenty of people in uh, the corporate world who make mistakes right so uh, what's the recourse though what's the recourse that's a thing that's where i think we're having a a fundamental disagreement is that for for me when you look at government and all the bureaucracies that we have in government there is no recourse there is no recourse for the epa when they effed up when they had that uh, the river in colorado where they accidentally poured i forget what it was it's like some some compound that turned the entire lake gold right there are this like mustard yellow color there's no recourse for us to quote unquote punish the EPA, but when a company's a company f's up, there's recourse because we can say we're not spending our money at your place anymore because you did that, or a you're not changing the bad behavior. I mean, 
How many companies can we think of in the past 10 years? I mean, hell, look at Hollywood and how Hollywood has not been responding to the, the acts of sexual abuse and all these people who are going to be boycotting the, the various movies that all these, these pedo actors were in. I mean, what's that movie that Kevin Spacey was in and all of a sudden they had to recast the entire movie because it was going to be basically like an empty theater because he was still the, the main role? I mean, there is a recourse in the free market in response to positive and negative behavior, whereas government... There is no recourse for the negative behavior. I mean, you can say, yes, you can go and vote for them again in every two years, but then we're going to get into discussions about campaign finance and, and all the individual, uh, you know, basically truckloads of money that they have to, to spam television uh, ads and then make it the two-party system where you have to vote for either, you know, the, uh, the, the gun to your head or the gun to your nuts. Like, which one do you want worse? Well, one's going to kill me. One's going to hurt really bad. It's like, okay, well, you take the nuts and then you, you hopefully you'll live until, uh, until you can uh, hopefully find technology to get new nuts. Like it's it's there's no real There's a startup for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's there's just, there's no recourse for government in such a quick response as there is for the free market. And I mean, I th I don't think we're going to ever get past that fundamental disagreement, which I'm glad we're having the conversation though. Um but as it goes to climate change because we are we're getting out of time. Um as it gets Can I happen real quick? Yeah, happen Gary. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, so um so I kind of I'm kind of in the, the middle, uh, so to speak, when it comes to free market versus government. I feel like government, uh, allowing government to control the marketplace can be terrifying. Like, currently, we have, uh, like, you know, President Trump, he's putting a, what, a 20% a 20 tariff on all on solar, solar panels. Yeah, which is hardly, panels. hardly libertarian. That's, that's like, that's, that's yeah. big government at its worst, which is what so I like, don't want. Yeah, exactly. Like, so... Like now, now we're seeing the, the the backswing of the pendulum, so to speak. The, the you know bad side about like everyone who likes solar panels. Uh, now we're seeing what happens when the government can have control and impose you know tariffs on specific types of product, which I find is kind of scary. But then on the other hand, I know that without at least some government regulation on a. Uh, on, on the the free market, we might end up like what we did with uh, Standard Oil way back in the uh, 1800s and or early 1900s, where you know you have these huge monopolies that just kind of through deceit and and trickery and bribery made their own monopolies and these huge things that ended up having to be busted up. Who'd they bribe? By the government. Does that make sense? Who who'd they bribe? Uh, I can't remember. I just remember the watching government. a lot of. They bribed the government. Huh. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, get you there, Derek. You're 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 like one stone throw away from a libertarian. And I can't wait till the day it happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> let me strip down and run down Broad Street here in Philadelphia. It's gonna it's gonna be like the Eagles win the Super Bowl here in Philly. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like that on Broad Street. Did you guys watch the video for that? How crazy it was here. Uh, I did not. Well, you'll have to link that. Video oh, it was to nuts. Later. Like like literally, it was not. There's people like like on top of cars and and like flipping cars over and, and this is when they won the NFC championship game. They didn't win the Super Bowl yet. And people are acting like they won the Super Bowl. Some dude had like an, uh, a dune buggy and he was riding up the, the Rocky steps at the art museum. It was nuts. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. But um, okay. With that oh, being gosh. said, we're at the end of the show. So I'm going to do now. This is one thing that Chris does over at the we are libertarians podcast. I really like it because I think it's a nice way to kind of put a nice bow in the show and that's to do final thoughts. So, I want to do final thoughts, and I want to give you each uh, a soapbox. You know, Paul, then Derek. Give me your final thoughts for this episode. Good, the bad, the things that we came to agreements with, the things where we still disagree. Overall thoughts, all to you, Paul. You're up. 
No, that's uh, thank you, Brian. No, I think this was a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, if, I, if I'll be honest, like, I don't think I came out too good on the gate, you know, uh, a little embarrassing. So I, I hope everyone who's listening had a good chuckle at a head of me. Um, but no, I think, I think this is a really important debate. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I think, you know, you and I are going to disagree a lot. I, uh, our fundamental, like, um, you know, scenarios are really what we're laying down as like, if, if this, then this, right. So that, that first part I think is, is, is where, you know, ultimately um, probably the issues come But I think this is a great conversation. I think my final point that I wish I made first in the beginning is I think with, with, with science, right. Or with this issue, I'm going to trust the experts. I'm going to trust the people who are, who are saying this because what, what do I have to lose other than a cleaner planet, right? I think that, you know, a lot of the points you're making, though, about, like, wasting money um, and other things make a lot of sense. I think that when you have human beings, though, um, you know, I, I, I waste money plenty of times. I think that you're not going to ever have a, a truly efficient thing um, in its entirety. But I, what I appreciate about this is I learned a lot from from Derek um, and just enjoy that there's, a, there's an opportunity to talk about um this because I, I do think it is a, it's a real issue and we're having a real effect on it and um you said personal responsibility i think each of us has um some control over a little bit of this and we need to do if, if we at least do what we're supposed to do um maybe that's a start i dig it i dig it i dig it derek uh what's your final thoughts bud uh i First off, yeah, coming into this, uh, after probably the 15-minute mark, after my first rambling monologue that I had, uh, we started digging into the data stuff, and I realized, holy crap, I should I should uh, look into this more frequently because there was so much that I've read that have just that's just kind of like gone into the ether of my of my brain space. <laughs> so I, I guess I just need to know I, I need to make sure that I keep up to date on that stuff or at least review it every once in a while so I can remember it. Uh, Otherwise, I think that we can all agree that uh, a cleaner environment is a good thing and something we can work forward. Indeed. To, like you know, what's the like like you said, Paul? What's the worst you we can get except for a cleaner environment? Like, there's no there's no downside to working towards that. That's that's the goal. And I also think that you know, like we've we've talked about, government can be super helpful and it can be super harmful. It's kind of like a tool, and we want to make sure that the tool works for us and that we don't work for the tool, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. And absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> were you done Derek? I'm sorry. Oh, and I had one more thing to say. Yep. Uh, we made it, uh, well over an hour without insulting anybody. So, I mean, Hey, good on us. Usually at least when I'm reading Twitter by this point, at least one of us had to have made a, a personal insult. So I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> I've been using the mute button, a mute button a lot, so like that, <laughs> that's been helping me. No, no, no. I, I think that is that's also part of why I'm excited. Uh, sorry to steal some more time. I just um, there's there's no point in being angry. Um, there's a there's a that's not going to solve anything. That's not going to clean up the planet. It's just going to foul it up with our foul language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Um, so my final thought. I think I think if there's one thing that we can all I guess I don't say necessarily agree with 100% is that we all want to see a clean and happy planet. I think 
just between this is just my my soapbox now. I think that there's a difference between um, being environmentally conscious and being. I don't want to use the inflammatory term, but an alarmist for climate change. I think we can all be environmentally conscious in terms of how we as humans on and, and inhabitants of the planet, how we take care of the planet and how we take care of each other. Um, I don't believe that government is necessarily the means to do that, but I think we can all end this show in an agreement that we want to see a happier and healthier world. Um, so we, we agree to the ends. We just don't necessarily agree to the means. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I, I like to end the show on a positive note where we can all agree. That makes me happy. Uh, but um, all right. Well, uh, well, guys, I, I must say it was an absolute pleasure having you both on. Um, you're both very dear and good friends. Um, you know, for, for all those who are joining us here, uh, where is the best place that they can find all your information going forward? So, Derek, where, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me, I guess, on Twitter. You don't even Twitter. know your Twitter handle. What's your Twitter handle, yeah. Derek? What is my Twitter handle? <laughs> I don't I, Give me a second. Okay, uh, Paul, 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 where can people go. follow you? Uh, Fancy New Riley, pinpoints.community. Fancy New Riley, pinpoint.community. Okay, Derek, do you find your Twitter yet? Uh, I don't know. If you search, if you search Derek LeBaron on Twitter, I think I'm the only one in existence, and so you'll <laughs> probably find me. Uh, it's actually at Derek LeBaron one, <laughs> and so yeah, you can find me there. <laughs> Rarely have I ever had a guest that didn't know their own social media platform. Um, as for me, you can find me as always, folks, on uh, on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty, or feel free to swing over to Patreon. Uh, support the show; every little bit helps, so we can keep on having these great conversations. Um, and that's also at B Nichols Liberty, or find us on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty as well. I'm very original, guys, and very consistent. Call me a lot of things, but uh, make sure you at least call me consistent. Um, so again, it's been an absolute pleasure having uh, Derek LeBaron and uh, Paul Riley join me today for this amazing episode discussing climate change, discussing how we can help save the world. Uh, right? That's what we're going to do. Save the world, right, guys? Yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, this is Brian Nichols for The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.